2: your refrigerator after a long day seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge the answer is no there's nothing better that's why when it's time to chill you choose Coors Light it's mountain cold refreshment made to chill Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind so that's why when you want to hit reset reach for a beer that's made to chill Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. We are breaking down
3: all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 266. What is going on, guys? Happy Monday morning. We have a a little bit of a different format today. Um, Andrew is not going to be joining me for the first half of the show. Uh, We were lining up our schedules... And uh realized that we couldn't get together after the game on Sunday. So what we did was we recorded the majority of the show um, early on Sunday before the game. But uh, I definitely wanted to come on here and make sure that we talked about and covered the final game of the series and then a few other things that happened over the weekend, obviously, uh, for, for when the Yankees were in Seattle. But, you know, I think Sunday was potentially... A uh, a big game and, and, and a big swing for the Yankees if they were able to close out that, that sweep. But unfortunately, they were not because they can't hit with runners in scoring position at all. And uh, it was a, a clear... A clear reason why the Yankees couldn't win on on, uh, Sunday and finish out this series in Seattle, which was pretty frustrating. But um, for the majority of it, they played well. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, Before that, just want to remind everybody, September 15th is the final BP Crew event. That's this coming weekend. Um, Tickets are going to be on sale until Tuesday. Tuesday will be the final day that they'll be on sale. Be closing it out. Getting all of our stuff ready with the Yankees, putting together our seating charts. Um, but for uh, for the fifteenth, that's uh, that's Saturday game. You it's sixty four bucks. You get a T shirt that goes along with the event. You get a, a ticket in section two hundred five, and then we'll be doing a pregame a couple hours before the game uh, at the dugout. On Saturday, so it's always a good time to uh, to drink some beers with everybody and uh, talk some baseball and uh, just you know shake some hands, meet some new faces, and uh, and talk Yankees. So if you are coming out to that, make sure you get your tickets uh, definitely by Tuesday. That's the last day again, and we're running that promo still. If you are captaining a crew of ten or more, you get your ticket on the house. If you do, uh, if you're captaining a crew that's five or more, you get your ticket at half off. And the reason, again, while we're doing that is because we're just trying to grow this thing. We're trying to grow it to as many people as possible. So if you tell your friends and bring your friends or family, uh, that's a good thing. And uh, the more, the merrier. So uh, this is something that we're, we're really emphasizing and going to gonna roll even uh, even deeper going into next year. And then hopefully we can get some things going with the uh, postseason this year, too. As long as everything works out and the Yankees don't screw anything up for us and play, uh, play any, too many games uh, outside Yankee Stadium. Um, or you know make sure they make the damn playoffs in the first place all right so let's talk a little bit about this series Um, as as of right now as I'm recording the Red Sox and Houston Astros are tied so nobody has won that game at this point they didn't do a uh, they didn't pull a Brown Steelers and tie the game and end it as that the Yankees are eight back uh, of Boston uh, with a tie game that can change if they if they win, it'll be eight and a half. they lose, it'll stay at seven and a half. Uh, but the wild card lead definitely got smaller today. Yankees are two and a half over Oakland, up over Oakland, and three in the last column, uh, as they did win today. And uh so that that's getting tighter and tighter. Um, obviously, we know what happened in Oakland. Uh did not go our way. The the series uh was tough. They're they're a tough team. They're young, they're hungry, they can hit the damn ball. Um, you know, they're pitching, their bullpen is good. Their starting rotation, uh, is, you know, it's definitely weakened because of injury, but they have enough guys and obviously they can roll out a bullpen and, uh, and, and take care of, uh, well, they can take care of the Yankees in that way. That's for sure. Um, so that's something that they have to look forward to, but it's getting tighter and tighter. And as, uh, the Yankees are moving forward, they have, um, you know, obviously, these three games coming up in Minnesota, then the last home stand, and then they're on the road. And we'll talk about that. I'll break those down so you guys know exactly what's coming up uh, because that's important. There's about 20 games left, six remaining with Boston, and uh, the Boston has a magic number now. So their their magic number is 13 um, as of uh, you know before this game. So th- they have their little countdown starting, and uh, that's great for them. Uh, but Yankees are going to try to uh, throw a wrench in that as much as they can and try to win as many games as possible down the stretch. Now listen, Friday night Tanaka was very very good. We uh, Andrew and I are going to talk about him um, this uh, at the on the second half of the show. We did a a full mailbag session and uh, we talked for about I don't know forty forty five minutes um, on a few other things as well. Uh, but Tanaka is definitely one of those guys that we went into a little, a little bit more in depth, um, you know, talking about what what was different on Friday. Night, there were some significant differences. Uh, his fastball um, was was one of them. Um, but that was a good thing to see, obviously, with all the talks of the wild card. That's the, the one of the things that we're going to be talking about in this next segment is Boone has some more comments. You know, he's talking about this a little bit more openly. It was a little bit more candid about who he's thinking about pitching uh, that final uh or the potential wild card game so you know we kind of get into his thoughts on on what he's thinking and which guys that you know he thinks could line up well for a, a game uh a one game wild card Saturday was uh was Lance Lynn you know he needed to rebound from his uh from his last couple starts and he did he pitched pretty well you know went 6 innings um and uh well, gave up two runs and uh the Yankees had an opportunity to win that game, and they took advantage of that. So good for good for Lynn um, getting back here down the stretch. You know, if the Yankees are going to make any kind of noise or stay in this place uh, ahead of Oakland, they need him to pitch well. Sonny Gray is another guy that um, we know, and we've talked about giving the uh, the the rotation a little bit of a break. That's going to happen this coming Tuesday when he takes the ball. In uh, Minnesota, and basically giving you know guys a day off and, and I think that 's a good thing with um, you know Tanaka going down the stretch, uh, I think obviously Severino could could use a day off for for who knows what whether it 's resting his body, resting the arm, resting his legs, um, you know talking himself down uh, from his last start, and making sure that he 's mentally prepared for these things too so I, I think having another starting pitcher in the uh in the rotation is not a bad thing I don't think it's going to be a full blown six man- ro- uh you know rotation by any means but we will see Sonny gray go in there and, and start some games um to to relieve that and CeCe's another one of those guys who's going to need you know some some um some a little bit more time off down the stretch uh, he's important obviously to this team and the way that they go and it was nice to see him bounce back on sunday um the Sunday game obviously did not go. They did not complete the sweep, but it's funny because when you see how he started the game, you're you're here you're thinking, oh here we go, um, uh, two outs, four singles in a row, drives in two runs. Um, it's 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 kind of crazy how you know they get bat on ball uh, early on with him, and then he's able to go in and shut it down because that's what happened. He shut it down after the beginning of um, of that after they got those first two early runs. Uh CC was, was very good um and went into the sixth inning uh and then the, the bullpen came in and um and you know for the most part other Dylan Batantis in the in the in the ninth inning or I'm sorry in the eighth inning was uh was I, I think a, a victim of um of Mitch Haniger is really what happened uh, he, he victimized himself by walking Haniger don't do that uh, you know he let a guy on base and Haniger took took advantage of that stole a base advanced a third on a bunt and then scored which was the go ahead and uh, ended up being the winning run um in uh on a fielder's choice that was a, a pretty much a bang bang play uh, throw came home and uh, and pulled Romine off the off the uh, home plate a little bit. It was across had to reach across his body, and and uh, was safe, and scored the run. Yankees lost the game, and then he made a ridiculous catch in right field off of uh, a Stanton looked like a broken bat little little flare into right field, and he uh, he made a pretty stupid diving catch to to end the game. Literally, the guy uh, was a was a one man show in the last. In the last inning and a half, so um unfortunately that's uh that's the way the uh, the series ended they couldn't finish the sweep but they did win two of three and that ends the west coast trip which is a very good thing because uh, it was uh it was another one of those west coast trips that is tough you know when you go to oakland and um, and you can't take advantage of those opportunities um, and I think that Oakland gained some confidence by uh, the that series and the way that they played the Yankees so they're going now into the stretch knowing that they can compete and knowing that they can beat the New York Yankees. And, uh, you know, for, for them, a young team having that type of belief, uh, I think that could go a long way. So the Yankees need to, um, one get healthy and two, start playing their asses off and start, you know, pulling it all together because, uh, they definitely have someone on hot on their heels. Um, Speaking of getting healthy, we have a whole bunch of guys that are coming back or starting to come back now, and then new guys who are helping. Before we talk about that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at SeatGeek. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long, whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find that perfect gift. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed, There's nothing quite like being there in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value. SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every single purchase is fully guaranteed. No funny business. You're not going to go to the gate and uh, not have your tickets work. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Uh, it doesn't end with sports. You can get anything. You can go to concerts. You can get, uh, you can get tickets to a comedy event theater. If that's your, if that's your thing, Andrew enjoys the theater (laughs) occasionally. So he goes and gets his tickets there. Um, I, I actually did get the uh, – I, I use the SeatGeek app. I have it on my phone. I've told you guys before. I got my uh, a buddy of mine Jets tickets uh, that were uh, w- one of the preseason games. I don't know how nice that is to get friends Jets tickets. Not a great friend if you're getting them Jets tickets because it's pretty much the most frustrating team to watch. You guys think the Yankees are frustrating? Try being a Jets fan. Best of all, guys, you can get $20 off the SeatGeek, your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app. Enter promo code BRONX TODAY. Promo code Bronx for twenty dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, let's talk a little bit about who's healthy, who's back, who's coming back, and who is uh, who has lost their luggage and is playing well because of it. So Friday night, Didi comes back, uh, returning from the DL. Obviously, this is this is a huge, huge upgrade for the Yankees. It's a it's a big deal. It, it allows. Kind of everybody to go back to their positions, and now that Héctor is on the team as well, uh, Torres was was really going back to uh, second base anyway. But um, you know, this is an upgrade. He's has played well, and we've seen his defense. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. The guy has an unbelievable glove, and I think he's he's hit a little bit better than I expected. But you know, D.D. is a, a, a much better upgrade, obviously from uh, from a hitting standpoint. And then um, you know, you're not losing anything by by having dd in the field because he's uh you know one of the better defensive shortstops but look the bottom line is it's there it's good to see him back um the yankees are easing him in uh he's not playing all of the games it seems like they're trying to get him around six innings uh for these games they're they're trying to ease him in make sure that nothing he doesn't have anything uh you know hold him back as far as injury uh and make sure that he is uh you know fully healthy for this for the stretch and you know it's important, and because they do have Hatcheria, I think they're they have a little bit of uh, of room to be able to do that. So, um, I expect him honestly to start playing in this next series uh, almost almost regularly, and then uh, and and we'll see DD back, uh, you know, hopefully full strength and and finding his stride because that's big. We need him to get going and uh, and find that offense. Um, we've seen how how much you know he can, how he can get streaky. Uh, we, we've seen some ridiculously hot streaks from him where we're all saying he's the uh, the best offensive uh, shortstop in the league because he did look like that in the first few um, the first month of the season really and then uh, and then he went on a, a horrible slump um, so we need to uh, we need to make sure that he gets back and is pitching or is playing well and is able to to line himself up for the stretch run and then hopefully um, uh, either a one- game playoff or into the playoffs Aaron judge the man, the myth, the legend is finally looks like he's, uh, he's really on the mend. It's a, uh, it looks like, it looks like a reality that he is going to be coming back, which is, um, you know, you hear about these dry swings and now he's taking batting practice. And, and if you will, he's taking, he's getting these wet swings in, you getting the actual swings, hitting the ball, making sure that the, uh, the, the wrist and everything is going well, uh, and feels good taking swings and, you know, making, when he's making contact, um, you know the the ball is uh is going to hit the bat different ways you want to make sure that he's he's feeling all sorts of things um in batting practice to get as much um as, as many swings as he can i think to make sure that, that that wrist uh is not still injured and is not going to really affect him to a point where he can't swing the bat effectively and you know and be the bester and judge that he can be um obviously even if he's not if you need, even if he feels it a little bit and it's a pain tolerance thing which you know, they talked about early in this injury. They said that that was going to be a possibility when he returns. They just need to make sure that it is one of those. You know, if it is a pain tolerance issue at some point, um, that he's able to still play and and play at a, a productive and and high level. I do expect that. I expect Aaron Judge to at this point. You know, he's he's saying that it doesn't hurt. Um, so that's that's all very good. Um, I'm circling. I still I still have my hopes on next Saturday. Um, as the, uh, the time when he is going to be coming back, it, it, it does meet, um, close to what their timeline said, uh, of when he'd be back. It's the, uh, you know, obviously the home series coming up too. So I think it would, uh, it would line up well for, um, an Aaron judge return coming back home against Toronto. Uh, so get your tickets, uh, get your tickets to the Aaron judge show September 15th, only 64 bucks. There you go. Um, upcoming, Oh, yeah. And then before, you know, these guys are coming back from injuries. DeeDee's back. Obviously, Gary Sanchez is back. But the guy that lost his luggage, I almost forgot. I almost forgot to talk about this. Andrew McCutcheon is is, uh, officially uh, hitting home runs for the New York Yankees. Friday night, he hit uh, his first home run as a New York Yankee, then followed it up the next day on Saturday with another home run. Look, that's good to see. The guy is, um, you know, he was, um, he was definitely struggling, you know, his first, his first little bit uh, with the Yankees. Um, he talked about that, how uh, things were a little bit crazy, and I can understand that, how he's flying back and forth from, from different coasts, um, you know, joining a new team. There's a, a lot of um, whirlwind in uh, when you get traded like that, I'm sure. Uh, and then he goes and loses his luggage, or, or he didn't lose his luggage. The hotel lost his luggage in Seattle. And if you haven't seen it, it's pretty funny. He, they're all—it's all over the place now. But um, he put it on his Instagram story and was talking about how he has no clothes and he doesn't know if he's going to leave the leave the hotel and all these things. Um, I, I didn't realize, you know, what kind of a, uh, a you know funny personality he was, but he's definitely um, he's definitely got that that clown side of him, which is uh, which is cool. I like that. It's it's good to see uh, that he's got that personality side. And I, I think it's funny that he didn't realize that he actually, before he went to sleep, he was wearing clothes and did actually have clothes in the room. So he went uh, uh, into the city with the, uh, the clothes that he was wearing the night before, thanks to uh, old sis on the phone to say, Hey Andrew, you actually got into the hotel room with clothing on. So you do have clothes. Good for him. So maybe we should uh, start losing some luggage because apparently you hit two home runs uh, after you lose your luggage. Um, speaking of luggage they're going to be going to pack their luggage putting it in the airplane and going to Minnesota they're all right there they're uh, they're on their way right now um this is this is a series that they should win you know plain and simple but how many times have we said that about inferior opponents and the New York Yankees they got to take advantage of them uh, you know I feel like I'm I'm on I'm on repeat here with the uh just the saying the same damn thing with a lot of these series coming up you got you to gotta, uh, hit with runners in scoring position, even against bad teams. And if you're doing what they did today and go two for 15 with runners in scoring position, I don't care who you're playing. It doesn't matter because all they got to do is scratch a couple runs across. Because if you have 15 opportunities with runners in scoring position and you're only taking advantage of that twice, it doesn't take a lot of runs to beat you. And, and you know, unless you're hitting the ball out of the ballpark, uh, it's, uh, it's not going to do the job. The Yankees have to do better than that. Uh, and and that that's against good teams and against bad teams. And the Minnesota Twins are right now falling in the uh, on the side as, you know, not a terrible team, but they're not a good team. Uh, and they have the upcoming schedule with their final home series. They have Toronto, Baltimore, and Boston. And when you're looking at tar- Toronto and Baltimore, these are two teams that are. So far done and so far gone. Toronto, I don't even know who they have pitching anymore. Half their pitching staff is complete. Is is is, uh, you know obliterated. Baltimore, they brought up everybody from uh, AAA Norfolk, and you know they're playing uh, as as a shell of themselves. I think even even more so than the last time we played them. So these are these are teams that they gotta they gotta take advantage of and 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 beat these uh, and get get some W's because, like I said earlier, the Oakland A's are. Are, are pining they're they're trying to 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 um to catch the new york yankees and that is uh that is a big mission for a young team that is um you know they're hungry and and they're playing with house money at this point so the yankees have a huge target on their back as far as the wild card goes um and then boston obviously at home and then they uh which is good i think it's good to have that boston series at home first before they go on that final road trip because you know if if you can do some damage against these bad teams and then who knows what you do against Boston. At least you know where you stand at that point um going on the road and, and you have the opportunity to take advantage of the home series. The Yankees do play better at home. They didn't on their last trip uh when they were there and they they missed a, a golden opportunity to win some games. So they gotta take advantage of it here. But I think again, it's good to if we're if we're playing Boston a home and away, it's good to have the home series uh first and then and then go to Fenway Park uh, where they've struggled, and the uh, the the Red Sox have pretty much outscored them by two. Um, you know, I think I, I looked it up earlier. It was a an average of uh, four to eight. They're outscoring the Yankees in uh, in the series at Fenway this year. Um, you know, but even before that, the Yankees have to go to the godforsaken trap in Tampa, where they're one and five this year, unfreaking believable. But that place, in all its voodoo, they have to go there, and and again, similar to what Oakland. Is, uh, it's a young team in Tampa. These guys are playing much better than anybody ever expected, certainly better than I expected because I did the quicker to lose a game to them, which uh, which again did look good early in the season. But they uh, they definitely have been playing some good baseball, and uh, they have some uh, some kids who can play, especially offensively, and then you know their whole bullpenning fia- fiasco uh, that, that for whatever reason the Yankees can't hit. So that's going to be a big series going to the trap, finishing the season, the season up, uh, with the, the voodoo at the trap and then going to Fenway park, uh, pretty good stuff right there. So the Yankees are lining up. Andrew and I are going to talk more about the, uh, you know, what's, what's lining up over the pitching staff. Um, we're going to go into Tanaka start in more detail. And then we have a whole bunch of mailbags that we're going to be going through and, uh, answering all the questions that, that came in. Um, but yeah, guys, this was fun. Uh, I am going to, I will talk to you probably next Sunday if you're not going to the event, because I'm actually going to be on the road. Uh, I have a whole bunch of work stuff this, this, uh, this week and I will be in Chicago. So I believe Andrew will be on, uh, Neil Keefe, I believe is filling in for me on Thursday. So before, uh, before I get out of here, thank you for listening. I'm going to throw you now to Andrew, who is going to start our conversation about Boone's comments. And then don't forget, we got voicemails at the end of the show. All right, guys, have a
2: great week. We have a little bit of a new development in the who will start the wild wildcard game saga, because Scott, as we know, that's all people are really talking about. That's as we've been talking about for what, four weeks at this I point, mean, who's going to start that wildcard game? It's already
3: been beaten uh, like a dead horse, and it will continue to get beaten until we are actually at that game, and we actually have a guy on the bump with a ball in his hand. Until Wait, then, so we- speculation, baby. So we're flying to Oakland, you and me? Yeah, flying to, <laughs> flying to <laughs> Oakland. If we're flying to Oakland, there's no, there's no doubt who's pitching. We have one guy who's pitching who's, uh, who hasn't lost a game on the road. That guy.
2: Well, so the, the new developments are that Boone was asked, as he is before every game, I think, who's going to start the wildcard game. But this is the first time he's actually had some comments that were telling. He said, I think it comes down to who is pitching well and what does the matchup look like. Where are we bullpen-wise? I think these next few weeks will tell us who that guy is. And in my mind, I'm trying to get inside the head of Boone. I think it comes down to Severino, Tanaka, or Hap. Do you agree? Yeah, I don't think there's anybody else that we could really consider if, if someone's going to
3: say uh, CeCe, and we're recording this before CC start on Sunday, but the um, to me, he's just not as, right now, you cannot rely on a guy like CeCe. So yeah, those three guys are are um, are there, and, and the reason Severino is there is because of what he's done for the team and the potential of Severino, but if we're talking about the two guys that are pitching the best uh, on the Yankee staff, it's certainly Tanaka and Happ.
2: Definitely. Severino has and should be the best pitcher on the staff, but he's not pitching like that right now. But if we're looking at, the, it's going to be Oakland. So let's look at their each of those guys' seasons against Oakland. Severino has had two starts. He's pitched eight and two-thirds innings, given up 11 hits and six earned runs. Most of that damage came in the start last week in Oakland. And he had a good start at home early in the season against Oakland. So he's, he's really one for two against Oakland so far. Tanaka has not faced them at all. Could that be a good thing? Because Oakland hasn't seen him. And then Hap has only had that one start on Tuesday last week, six innings and just two hits and one run.
3: Yeah, and so when we're looking at that, first of all, Hap has just been, you know, he's had a couple tiny little bumps uh, since he's been with the Yankees. But really the entire time he's been here, um, he's been pitching well against the, uh, the even the toughest, the toughest competition. So I feel like there's a trust level there with him right now just because he's that veteran guy, can pitch around things. Uh, And and I think the similar, there's really a similar mindset with Tanaka in that sense that he's going to keep you in games. He's going to keep the offense off balance. Um, And then what we saw against the Oakland A's with Severino, that was just infuriating. Is that you know when he's when he's not when when his breaking stuff is not there when he doesn't have that sharp slider uh, that that has you know such good left to right movement, or right to left movement. The the guys are teeing off on his fastball. And, and, you know, he's got to have everything working for him to be super effective, at least at this point. Whereas early in the season, you know, he could live off of maybe a mediocre slider and just a dominant fastball that he was able to pinpoint. He's just not, he doesn't have the location right now for him to be that that same dominant guy. Um, but when you have these other two guys, if they don't have their best stuff, you still have the confidence that they can work in and out of trouble.
2: I think that's a big thing. What the Yankees are going to be looking for in that wildcard game is just get us into the sixth inning and in a good spot where we can use our dominant bullpen. That's what they need. They can't have somebody go out there and have a blow-up start like right. like Severino did last year or like Severino did against Oakland uh, the other night. Where Tanaka, every single one of his games except the ones against Detroit, he's gotten through the fifth inning. So if you can get through the fifth inning, um, I'd say, uh, Hap, if you can get through the fifth inning or Tanaka through the fifth inning, I think then Boone just says, thank you very much. Let's hand it to the bullpen.
3: Yeah. And at that point, I mean, what's the if you if you have that game and uh, you get to the fifth, sixth inning and then you're handing it off to the bullpen and let's just for conversations, conversation sake, say you win that game, then you have Severino, your guy, you know, the one that you uh, that that you really do want to be your number one starter has the potential to go out there and pitch uh, game one. So there's it it would line up nicely if if one of those other guys is pitching really well towards the end of the season. And uh, and we're still seeing maybe hopefully we're seeing some progress from Severino Uh, again. uh, I feel like we've been going back and forth with, yes, this guy's progressing. No, he's not progressing. Yes, he's progressing. No, he's not progressing. Um, So, uh, you know, I think the, the, the his last starts need to just clear clear the air with where he is. I think that that would be really nice to know.
2: Here's why I think it's going to be either Tanaka or Severino, because then that would allow them, if they face Boston in the next round, to pitch Hap twice. And I think one of the big reasons they got Jay Hap is because of his numbers against Boston. So in a five-game series, you could go Hap in games one and five, and then Severino or Tanaka in game two, CC in game three, and then Severino or Tanaka in game four. Yeah, and I that mean, allows you to get your best matchups. What they think maybe on paper are their best matchups against Boston,
3: right? I mean Tanaka also. I feel like there's confidence with uh, with you know him going against the Red Sox too. He's pitched well at Fenway Park, uh, so he he's got that behind him. Where you know Severino. We just don't know what we're getting right now. That's that's the biggest problem. The unknown is the big problem with Severino. And I think that's, you know, we said this, that's that's why there's there's more confidence in these other guys, because they're able to get through, you know, an area where they're not at their best. And Severino, I'm not so sure he can do that right now.
2: And right now, Tanaka looks like their best pitcher. Oh, no, no doubt. Dominant, he was dominant on Friday against Seattle, eight innings, only three hits. He's now 7-0 and career against Seattle. And then in his last five starts, 34 innings, 2.12 ERA, and a 653 OPS allowed for Tanaka. So really, since he came back from injury, he's had one bad start, and the rest of them have been either great or very, very good, certainly good enough for the Yankees.
3: So we know we always joke about how Tanaka has to get up for a night game or if it's against a, right. uh, another Japanese pitcher. But I mean, this is kind of like going up against a Japanese pitcher. You're in Seattle, huge Japanese Seattle. audience. Yeah, huge Japanese audience. You know, it's where Ichiro came. Ichiro's still there. They have, uh, you know, a, a very big influence with the Japanese market as well. So it's kind of like him going home, as close as he can get to home, really, for for pitching. So, you know, he wanted to be on um, his best mark. I guarantee they were showing the game over in Japan, probably on more, you know, more national networks. So... This was one of those games where he's going to circle and say, "Okay, let's let's do this." And you know, for the wildcard game, any any big game like that, also also a similar situation. It's kind of kind of a, a joke in the sense that he does that, but it's 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 funny that every single time there is a big game that is exposed to the Japanese markets, he's right there, ready to go and dominate.
2: And I I know I've said that what what Tanaka did in October last year, you can't just bank on that happening again because he was filthy last October. And that kind of came out of nowhere. I know he was pitching well in the second half, but did anyone really honestly think that Tanaka was going to go out there and dominate in the postseason?
3: Well, I mean, there were so many memories of the first half Tanaka still in a lot of people's memories. So they had to, you know, they had to make sure that <laughs> that, that was uh, that was really gone and that we just didn't see uh, the second half Tanaka more of, a, of an anomaly. But it was actually the real guy. I don't know. Look, the, the way we've seen in his career, he's gotten stronger as the uh, the season has has gone on. Last year was a really good example of that. And then this year, he's, that's exactly what he's showing. He's showing that he's, he's throwing the, more, uh, the, the fastball harder. He's, um, seems like he has a lot of confidence in his stuff right now. And the results are there. I mean, he's pitching phenomenal right now. So I like the fact that Tanaka trends better towards the end of the season.
2: It's certainly a good thing. I guess it's the opposite of what Severino does. But you're right about the fastball because he threw it 30% of the time in his start on September 1st against Detroit and then 40% of the time against Seattle on Friday. So that does tell me he has confidence in his fastball. He had absolutely no confidence in his fastball earlier in the season. Do you remember that start against Miami very early at Yankee Stadium? It was like 35 degrees out. I don't think he threw one fastball. Yeah, and I know he it was a it was a miserable start where he got hit around by the minor league Marlins, and you're sitting there saying he threw seventy something pitches and sixty five of them were splitters and sliders. Like, what the hell are you doing out there? But now we're starting to see. Okay, I'm feeling good. I'm throwing my fastball. That's a good sign. You
3: know, and I wonder if it goes back to when he was in Japan and the amount of innings he would throw. He, He threw a ton of innings when he was over there. Uh, and, and they would, they would let him go longer. And it just seems like as the season's going on and his body gets more uh, into the flow of a game or into the flow of the season, it just becomes more loose. I don't know if that's a temperature thing um, as the, as the season goes on, but it's like his body loosens up once he, uh, you know, once he gets later in the season, whereas a lot of guys wear down. I don't think Tanaka has that. It's like, you know, the rubber arm, he's got that. He's kind of has that for for his uh his, his whole all of his pitching mechanics he seems to get better and more seasoned as the as the season goes on and as the the days go on in the um in the year and i mean that's that's awesome to see because he he does have especially now he's like he's throwing the fastball even harder i think he's throwing it more often it's it's definitely in direct comparison to what rothschild has really shown what these guys are supposed to do for the past uh, few years I mean they've had what the highest curveball rate in the uh, in the major leagues definitely last year yeah. and then in the beginning of this year they were up there as well so Rothschild you mean it's the opposite of what Rothschild has yeah has been it, teaching? It's, an, it's it's contradictory to what he's been teaching yes
2: yes um and maybe that's the, they finally realized that uh this has only gotten us so far and our pitchers are, are not where they should be so let's do something different maybe I mean, how many times did we talk about, is that the reason that Sonny Gray was right. pitching like crap?
3: I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful excuse for Sonny Gray, but it's, uh, it's, it's something that I can't rely on. I can't hang my head on that one. But yeah, I mean, it's something to think about for sure, because there's no doubt his, the strategy for the, st- the starting rotation for Larry Rothschild was, was more curveballs, more off-speed, more off-speed, less fastballs. And, and they worked more off of um, the off-speed stuff than they did the fastball. And, and now we're seeing a bit of a shift.
2: So it's September 10th. We have three weeks to go. I, I guarantee you we will talk about this again. Oh, but right now, thousand percent. make a prediction. Who's it going to be in that one-game wild card?
3: As of right now, the way things stand, uh, I see Tanaka as the guy.
2: Uh, I, I agree with you. It's
3: hard to go away from the hot hand when you have to win one game. It really it's, is.
2: It, and it's also, I think, lines up perfectly. If you can go with Tanaka, it lines up perfectly for the Boston series after that. Um, and I think that's going to play a factor in it. Um, I know you can't just play for that five-game series that you have to win that one game first, but that doesn't mean you can't have some things in place for it, um, which is the smart thing to do. Okay, let's get into some mailbag questions. If you guys want to submit mailbags, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. Tweet us, Facebook us. Uh, We don't get any questions on Instagram, but you can Instagram us as well. First up is from David. Did you guys see Joe Girardi's breakdown of Gary Sanchez's issues on MLB Network. He said the issues are mechanical but fixable. Then you hear Boone talk. He doesn't say anything is wrong with his mechanics. Clearly Joe had a better impact on Gary last year than Boone has had this year. Do you guys ever see Gary becoming a solid defensive catcher and would you still trust him in the playoffs? I did see this this Girardi breakdown. I saw the video of it on Twitter. Did you see it?
3: I did. He was talking about the base. That's really where yep. he was focused. He was focused around the, the, the bottom of Sanchez's uh, you know where he sits in the in his
2: stance. And the, his right knee, he pointed out how his right knee is is kind of pointed inward or he's kind of leaning to his left in a sense. So if a ball on this one, it was in the Severino game, any ball to his right, he was not going to be able to get down and block it. Right. Um and it was pretty clear when when he I think he compared him to Jan Gomes, right? And how Gomes was very centered um and able to shift left and right to block balls. It was pretty clear Uh, Gary Sanchez's mechanics don't look right.
3: When you have uh, when he's talking about the base and you're you're not able to go left or right with you know at the blink at the blink of of an eye or the uh, you know the 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 blink of of a Luis Severino fastball coming across the plate. Then you, you have a problem when you're trying to get in position to block that ball. And I mean, the, the blocking has been the, the one thing that everybody talks about, the one thing that has been such an issue. And I went back and I watched all of the, the, the pitches that, I, that, that drove me insane. I can't believe I did it, but I watched the, the first couple innings um, of their start last time, too, just to, to get another perspective of it on a different day so that my mind wasn't going absolutely insane and I wasn't just like trying to, wasn't cringing at every single thing. And, I mean, there's no doubt about it. There was blame on both sides for, for both of those guys. Uh, there was a lot of frustration between the two of them. It, you could cut it with a knife. It was so thick. Um, but, yes, Sanchez was not in a position to be able to, to block those balls. And, I, you know, when, when you have a 97-mile-an-hour fastball coming at you and you think it's a change-up uh, on the inside of the plate and then, you know, you get a fastball coming toward the outside of the plate, a big difference and there's not a lot of time to react but when you don't have a strong base when you don't have uh your body in position to make that adjustment it makes it even harder and and that's where I have a problem with with the way that Gary Sanchez is doing things with his mechanics and the way that he this has been a problem for a long time and this doesn't this isn't new that, that Girardi pointed this out like We've seen this before. We know that he has a problem getting down to his knees and and shifting side to side effectively. Two years of this stuff. So this is not a breaking news. This is just Girardi saying it again. I think people forgot the reason why a lot of this was happening. And, And yeah, I do think a lot of it's mechanical. And that's why I've always said, like this guy can make adjustments, but it has to be. Him doing it in the offseason. you're not going to make those changes in the in the middle of a season. And Girardi kind of alluded to that towards the end of it. I was so happy he said that. It made me feel so good because <laughs> he's like <laughs> he said he could change it, but it probably won't happen until the till the off season. And, and that's right. Well, I mean, that's that's the, the clear answer. You can make slight d- adjustments, and you can try to make as many adjustments as you possibly can and try to fix things. But honestly, it's not in a big situation when you're not thinking about it and when you're just reacting. You're reacting. To uh, to what you know and what your body knows and your muscle memory at that point takes over and unless you have drilled it a thousand times you're not going to do it.
2: But don't we see Gary Sanchez get in bad habits in little stretches where he'll look great for a few innings or a few games and then he relapses. So it's almost like he's able to make the corrections, but they're not permanent. They're only temporary, right? And that's 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 a lot of that's
3: repetition. It's getting those reps. It's not putting. It's not having the amount of. Um, of muscle memory. I don't know how else to explain it. Muscle memory is what gets you into those positions. Your muscles do it before you have to think about doing it. You just automatically go. And if you drill that a thousand times, I mean, you used to make fun of the, the, um, the drills where the guys roll the ball out, the pitchers go and screw the ball in and throw it to first in, in spring training. But, you know, I, I would balk at you laughing at them because honestly, like just going through those motions is helping the body and the memory and the muscles you know, train themselves to know, OK, this is what I do. This is the motion that I do with my hand. This is how I set my feet. This is what I go, even though it's slow, looks dumb, looks a little league like you do those a thousand times and you don't have to think anymore. Your body just goes. It just does it. And so I, I, if, I think that's what he needs
2: in the offseason. Then you just set up a pitching machine and you have it pound it right into the dirt, two feet in front of Gary Sanchez a thousand times every day. And he just needs to block them. Like how else? Do you, how else do you get the muscle memory then? Well, no, that's
3: what you do. You have to drill. You have to drill so how all is, of these how things. Is,
2: how has is somebody not gone to Gary Sanchez and done that at this point? I, he's now in year three of his career. Right. I I don't
3: know if he's he could potentially be not doing it uh, in the in the best way. That's training himself. Like maybe his training ways, his methods are not uh, as effective as they should be. I, I don't know. I don't know what his training regimen is um in the off season and how he drills the the actual mechanics and the and the you know the staples of blocking a ball and the staples of catching. I don't know what his I would love to know. I would absolutely love to know what his what his regimen is for training in the off season, really. Not not physically, but but when we're talking about mechanics and catching. I would love to know it. It would be super interesting to know that and who he's working with and what they're teaching and what kind of things they're they're really hammering home because these are the things that they need to do could he be a, a very good defensive catcher hell yes he could be a very defensive a good defensive catcher he's already got the intangibles he's got the things that you need he's got the ability to catch he can receive the ball well he um, you know pitchers uh, apparently like throwing to him when he's blocking balls and pitching and and catching well (laughs) some, some of the time. (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, he has the, uh, the rifle arm. So if, if he's able to uh, gain and and maybe the groin is part of the problem, maybe because of the flexibility, I'm not saying that there's an injury, but it could be just tight. He could, you know, the flexibility, the range of motion in his hips and the groin could absolutely affect, affect you going left to right and up and down. So, you know, maybe there's there's part of that. Maybe the training regimen on the physical side needs to be adjusted so that he's working more on flexibility and range of motion in the the groin and hip because those are all part of um, you know getting in position.
2: Does he need some of the tough love that Girardi gave him? Because I understand that the, maybe the relationship was not the best, and I and I think that was one of the reasons why Brian Cashman wanted to move on from Girardi, but. Gary Sanchez was a better player the last year and a half under Joe Girardi than he's been under Aaron Boone.
3: I mean, he's been hurt and he's he's been uh, offensively is has been terrible too. So it's it's hard to say that the catching um, is 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 the reason. You know, the Girardi is is the reason for
2: for his. Not uh, saying his he's demise. the reason. I'm not saying that. Well, well that here's what he I is. think. If you're talking about tough love, like I don't
3: think when you're having a tough love thing, when you're when you're talking about this, he needs some kind of a. Um, I don't know who his catching mentor is. I don't know who the guy is that, that drills in him. Uh, we should probably look this up. I'm gonna look it up and see who he works with in the offseason But I, I feel like that guy, the guy who is his actual personal coach, needs to be a hard ass and get in his ass with with this stuff. No doubt about it. Needs to get all over him on these mechanics. I don't know if that's the man manager's position to do that the manager, the manager has a million things to do and, and yeah he should have a good relationship with the catcher so that they can communicate effectively but being hard like a hard ass in him in the middle of the season to me that doesn't really do much
2: you remember so we had Pedro Martinez take Luis Severino under his wing maybe we get one of the Molina brothers to take I would love that uh, Gary, I mean, Jose Molina what's Jose Molina up to what's Pudge to has, how about
3: Pudge Pudge is a Yankee Pudge is a uh, no, big time no, Yankee
2: uh, But but I would say that Jose Molina has a more similar body type to Gary Sanchez than Pudge. Maybe Pudge in Texas when he was doing steroids, he was a little (laughs) bit thicker. But but uh, post Detroit, post um, yeah, once uh, he got to Detroit and with the Yankees, he had slimmed down. So I don't know, Molina. He has the last home run in Old Yankee Stadium. It's kind of a sentimental thing. He he was catching. He had the personal catcher stuff with um, A.J. Burnett in 09 World Series ring. I'd much rather have Molina train Gary Sanchez than Pudge.
3: I, I, I got to tell you, there's there's probably no better coaching family than the Molina brothers I mean they're they're literally like a traveling catching I mean
2: shit they breed catchers yeah
3: they're unbelievable so and they can do it at at any weight at any time it doesn't matter what they look like they can catch the ball and they can uh they can do a good job so yeah thank you for
2: bringing that up that for anyone saying that Gary Sanchez was too big to be a catcher go look how fat and out of shape Jose Molina was and he was like a cat behind the plate
3: yeah he he had those reflexes. That's one of those things. He was quick and he was, uh, and, and I guarantee he had really good range of motion. Was flexible in his hips and in the groin area. <laughs> like this yeah, guy m- Mrs, had the motion. Mrs. Molina.
2: Mrs. Mo- Mrs. Molina knows what's up. He
3: had the motion and the ocean. Yeah, he was able to to handle any <laughs> anything he could possibly do down there. No no problems. The Molina brothers also also phenomenal. But the the uh, you have to you have to. Train your body to do those things. And, and if you're not in physical shape to get to those positions either, that's also a problem. So, you know, I, I think there's a, a, a number of things. But again, to me, none of this stuff gets fixed in the middle of the season. You can fix short term. You can like and, and remind there could be reminders. And like you said, we see f- short term fixes. But it's not think something that's going to be a fundamental change, and I think that's what he needs. I think he needs a fundamental change behind the plate in the way that he, uh, his mechanics are and how he, um, you know, he breaks down with with whatever the whatever pitch is coming.
2: I think it's an issue. Do they trust him in the playoffs? Does Gary? Sanchez they have to catch, catch the one game wild card.
3: Yes. No, no doubt about it. He's. I gonna, agree. If everybody's healthy, you you can't DH him because either uh, Stanton or Judge would be uh, in the DH spot, and. You know, if you're putting Gary Sanchez there, that means someone else with a good bat is sitting, and you have to put a, a lesser bat, in theory, with Austin Romine, and, uh, and it's just it's not as good.
2: Well, so I tweeted out this stat the other day that, um, about war. So they, Gary Sanchez and Austin Romine have played the same number of games. I think it's now up to ga- 72 or 73 games each, and they both have, according to fan graphs, a 1.0 war. And Gary Sanchez is having by far the worst season of his life, and Austin Romine is having by far the best season of his life. Yeah, I mean, so it,
3: it's the offensive production. That's when you see the the um, the damage that he's still done with the home runs and the RBIs, and uh, and you're hitting the th- ball hard.
2: So, but I think what that highlights is the fact that even though Gary Sanchez has been piss poor, he is still in theory providing the Yankees some value. It goes to show how important, if he is back to his old self, how important he can be to this team. And I think that's why he needs to be getting right, catching in the big games, catching at the end of September, catching in October. Okay, next question is from Rob's Scaleri, at Scaleri Jr. on Twitter. What is wrong with Sevi's slider? Is it mechanics, injury, mental? What is it?
3: I'm going to make this really simple. I have no goddamn idea. <laughs> I have no goddamn idea what the hell is wrong with Severino. I don't know. We, you, Andrew doesn't know either. I can tell you that much right now. We've talked about this for weeks. Um, I don't think the Yankees know. I don't think Severino knows. Gary Sanchez certainly that's doesn't know. That's the
2: scary know. part. If the Yankees and Severino don't know, I mean, we don't know. That's that's obvious. I mean, we're we're two fans who have slightly informed opinions because we've watched an obscene amount of baseball over the last 20 years. And we talk about it for two hours a week. So, if we don't know that's one thing, but if the Yankees and Severino can't figure out what the hell is going on with them, that's a pretty damn big problem
3: yeah um one thing i do I do know uh that that needs to be fixed right now and and it seems like it's it certainly has a a, a bit of a, a problem is the the relationship between Severino and Sanchez. They're not on the same page that's a hundred percent obvious uh, and their last two starts together have been yelling at each other literally Severino yelling right. at Gary Sanchez
2: twice and the one and you're talking about the Tampa Bay one when Gary Sanchez loafed it and then the yes. one in Oakland
3: yes um, so the these two these two need to get on the same page they need to make sure that uh, you know they're they're both communicating in the same way that, that that each one actually receives the information and can process the information because right now there's there's a it's a broken battery to me and it, it was doesn't, working doesn't look like it's early right in the now.
2: season because remember, we talked about the stats of Severino. How he was actually the best at his best when he was throwing to Gary Sanchez.
3: Yeah, I, it just whatever it is right now. There's, there's, they're off. There's no doubt about it. And and there's visible frustration, and you cannot have that when you're going into a start because nobody's going to be at their best if you have visible frustration. That's the other thing I noticed from the other day. There's still visible frustration on Severino, and Severino was was definitely uh, you know I don't know if he was overthrowing if, the, but he was frustrated from the beginning of that start, and and there was a clear issue between the two of them and that can't happen
2: and if that were to happen early in in a one game wild card that could be disaster a thousand percent frank golden has the next question i am hearing a lot of quote if boston were not having a once in 20 years type season everyone would be just fine what uh what would your personal assessment of the season be
3: yeah, it's I mean they're they're still at the end of the day they're having a very good season when you look at what their record is and how they've overcome a lot of these injuries. They've they've overcome a ton of obstacles um, they've they've been you know dealing with the second a second half where their number one pitcher is not pitching like he's pitching like a four or a five like he's not that guy right now so and they've come through they've come through with losing their their star player in right field losing their shortstop losing their catcher I mean these guys have gone through a sh- ridiculous amount of injuries the 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 pitcher that they thought was going to be their number two is now yep. relegated to mop up duty in the freaking I was going bullpen. to
2: just say that their number two or at the very least number three Sonny Gray was supposed to be. At worst, their number three starter this year.
3: Yeah, so they've they've overcome a, a, a ridiculous amount of of um of of problems and and obstacles and uh, and they're still putting up a good season. So when we're looking at but, that, and you take a step back and you look at that, then yes, uh, it's been a frustrating season. Honestly, it's been a very been- frustrating season. Um, for, for, as a fan, I think, I think for, for us talking about it on a weekly basis, one, because the second half has been the same story every freaking day. It seems like or every week, at least there's the same sentiment. Um, but you know, I, I think they're, I think you know, when you look, when we look back at what, what happened, uh, in this season, uh, in the grand scheme of things, when you look at everything, they're having a damn good season.
2: But I think it's been f- so frustrating because they're not playing as well as they're capable of playing, right? We saw how good this team could be in May and June. And since the All-Star break, they have been a shell of that team. And And injuries are not an excuse for how sloppy and how poor they've been playing at times. They still have enough talent on this roster, even if Aaron Judge is out uh, with a broken wrist. And even if Didi is out with a heel issue, they still should be playing better as the team with the 25 guys that they have healthy than they've been playing. And I think that is why it's so frustrating. It has not been a fun second half by any means. Every win seems like it's been painful. Every loss seems like it's it's just been in some disastrous fashion or like you said, same old shit with this team. The same things keep happening. It's been very frustrating. And I know as a fan, I've not had as much fun following the 2018 team as I had following the 2017 team.
3: And and I think of that a lot of it is expectations and knowing that last year was 100 was was uh you know was a team that we didn't expect to do anything. A lot of people didn't expect to do anything, and then all of a sudden these guys are playing really well and get to the point. Uh, I think it kind of I'm going to go into the next mailbag by uh, from Gilbert Gill. Uh, He says, with some of the Yankees finally returning to the first half form, what do you think the lineup will be for either the end of the regular season or the postseason? And and I think this is part of the issue of why we're having such a problem with it. We don't see the same lineup out there that we did in the beginning of the season and towards the end of last. We had a much more dynamic and uh, potent offense in the beginning, and then you start adding pieces like Glaber and Andujar, but you start losing other guys. So I think once the Yankees are getting back to their potential and – and the fact that the the Yankee fans have seen what the potential is of the first half Yankees. We're like, What's happening here? Why why can't we we've added some guys. I know we've lost some guys, but we've also added guys. Why why can't they get back there? And that's frustrating when you know the potential in season of the same team. So to to Gilbert's question, the uh you know, what do we think the lineup's gonna be towards the end of the season and into the postseason?
2: I think uh well, they're Depending on who they're facing, a ready or a lefty pitcher, I think it's going to change because I I think especially when Judge is back, you're going to see an all right-handed heavy uh, outfield, especially. So mm-hmm. McCutcheon will be in left, Hicks still in center, Judge or Stanton in right, and then the other one will be DHing against lefties.
3: Yeah, no, I agree with that, and I think adding McCutcheon to the mix now, especially if he um, if he keeps up this little uh, little tirade and if he's getting really comfortable and keeps losing his luggage and is uh, super hot. Uh, for it's a big ad. I mean, and a guy like McCuskey who has all the all the skill in the world um, can turn it on for a, a team like this towards the end of the season. It seems like you know talent at that point. Like you forget about everything else. You forget about any injuries you've had or how old you are, and like your talent just comes to the surface at that point. And if we're looking at what they're going to look like at that point too, towards the end of the season, you know, we'll, Glaber is even now, which I disagree with where, where it currently stands. But we're going to see the bottom of this lineup if everybody's healthy and everybody's back. Is going to be unbelievably potent, the bottom of the lineup, and that's with Andujar, with and, Andujar and um, and Torres, Torres, and that's and that is one of the big reasons in the beginning of the season why the Yankees were wearing out pitchers. It's because top 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 to bottom, one through nine, anybody could hurt you, and that's where and a four will we'll be.
2: A fully healthy lineup, you could potentially see Voit, Torres, and Andujar as the final three in the order, which uh, it's not bad.
3: No, and the way things are going right now, you have um, a lefty like Greg Bird who's going to be coming off the bench uh, for if he makes the roster. If he makes
2: the roster, but he will, he will make the roster. <laughs> um, I think. Well, you, if we're, I know it's it's tempting to look ahead, but the Red Sox have two two really good lefties in that rotation with Price and Sale. So you're mm-hmm. going to see a lot of, you could see those guys three out of the five games. Yeah. So you're going to see. All of those right-handed hitters for the Yankees. Against righties, though, it's a different story because you might see Gardner in there. Who knows? If if Voigt cools off a little bit, you could see Greg Bird getting a start. Could see Neil um, Walker.
3: I mean, Neil Walker.
2: Neil Walker. F- the left side. He's much better from the left side, absolutely. And I think Hicks is a little bit better from the left side. I know that was the... He's, never, he, he's not unbelievably sold us. better. <laughs> But Brian Cashman sold us on the fact that he crushes lefties, but Aaron Hicks has been pretty consistent from the left side this year. They've been leading him off. I could see them even leading him off against a right-handed pitcher because he's got a good on-base percentage, and then you, you get that uh, that switch hitter at the top of the order type thing.
3: Yeah. So there's a lot more flexibility, and I think adding McCutcheon into there too it really gives them a ton of flexibility against the lefties, and I think that's another big reason. You look at what Cashman did um, at the trade deadline and then with the waiver deadline, what does that line up to? A Hap can pitch against Boston, and they added another impact right-handed bat who now kind of counterbalances or counter. It's, a, it's really a, a counterpunch to what Boston can offer um, as far as their, their dominant 1-2. So you can tell that these moves are also made to, uh, to counteract what Boston's good at.
2: And the next question is also about the lineup. It's from Vinny Lula. I know we can't do anything about it now, but with an eye towards next year, should we begin questioning Marcus Tims's role uh, is how bad this team has hit this year? How much of this can be attributed to teaching the approach to hitting that is being coached? And I I think what he's talking about specifically is the runners in scoring position issues and and some of those bat on ball issues that we've seen at times. The Yankees, the way they're built, the way Brian Cashman built them, they're going to hit home runs, they're going to strike out, and they're going to walk. They rank first in team home runs and ninth in team strikeouts. So that's the team that he has assembled. I think when you see a
3: a full season of the Yankees with as they're as they're currently constructed or as they will into next year with guys like um, Antuhar and and Gleber Torres, you know we'll see a, a little bit less of that. We'll, I mean, Torres is hitting the ball out of the park uh, like nobody expected, but he he can still make a lot of contact. He's going to hit for average, uh, so I, I still think we're going to see more of those guys. Um, yeah, they're they're leading in home runs. They're number one. I mean. Is that is that such a terrible thing? You'd like to see more of the other. You'd like to see more of the contact and, and runners the, in scoring the position. Problem. There's no doubt. Situational hitting should be an emphasis, um, and these guys should work on that. But I mean, I'm not I'm not ready to say that Marcus Timms is uh, is roles in jeopardy by any means.
2: I'm not either. But do you think that their approach in run with runners in scoring position and with the bases loaded, we talked about the stark yeah. differences between them and the Red Sox. Um, and the Red Sox offense, they also hit a lot of home runs, but they also get the job done when they just have guys on base and need to get them in with hits
3: yeah I mean but look at last year they didn't hit any home runs like they added one guy into the mix and now they're hitting a ton of home runs I mean but
2: supposedly Alex Cora comes in and says hey swing up and launch angle right hashtag launch angle okay it's, so it's this so revolutionary that, thing that I'm teaching that
3: doesn't change that doesn't t- change what we're doing here but the, the, the thing is, is what I, my point is that last year they showed how effective they could be with hitting the ball in the gap and, and not hitting the ball over the park and still having a you know a relatively potent offense so it's a different construction. But yes, I think that, that has, to, has to be part of uh, what they work on and part of the game plan. They have to get better at that. There's no doubt.
2: Anytime something goes wrong, it's immediately blame the hitting coach, blame yeah. the pitching coach, blame the manager. But right. when things are going right, it's, oh, my God, they have amazing players. That's why they're so good. It has nothing to do with the coaches when, when things are going right. So that's kind yeah, of the talent, life. Talent of, wins. <laughs> that's a, but that's the life of a coaching staff and a managerial staff is right. that you get all of the blame and none of the credit.
3: Correct, correct. And what is Tory known for? What is Tory known for? If Being you say, a people person, exactly. To- Tory is known for managing the 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 um, the, uh, the personalities. personalities and the egos in that dugout and in that locker room. That's that's the one thing that he's most known for. It has nothing to do with baseball. Just just that's that's the thing that he's known for. Everybody would say
2: that. But don't you know that the brains behind Joe Tory was uh, Zimmer? Uh, yeah, he was.
3: But nobody again, we all know. I think that we, we know the, the makeup of his uh, of his coaching staff and how great baseball people were. And, and I'm not saying that Torres or uh, Torrey wasn't because he was. But the thing that he's known for in the uh, you know, in the in the media and in the just on the on the surface for casual fans was the relationships he had with all those big personalities. And, and I think that's just kind of speaks to the, the manager.
2: All right. The final question is from Dominic Raymond. What kind of contract do you think Jay Happ will get after this year, provided he maintains his level of performance down the stretch? So now that Happ has been pitching well for the Yankees, I think some people are eyeing him as somebody they should sign in the offseason.
3: season. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, especially with the way contracts are and, and you know, who's available and all these other guys that are going to be um, in the open market. Um, uh, he, what, he finished a three-year contract just recently that was $36, next, $36 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's looking at like a, t- a two-year contract with maybe an option. Uh,
2: right, because the, the age with him is a big thing. He's 36 years old, and then when you look at some of the other free agent pitchers, and there's actually um, two good lefties on the market in, in addition to Hap. Uh, you've got Corbin, who's 30 years old. You have Keuchel, who's 31. You also have Trevor Cahill, who's 31. He's having a solid season. And uh, also the Dark Knight, Matt Harvey, is 30 years old. going to be a free agent. So Hap's five to six years older than those guys. Um, You might see Hap... I don't know. Do you think Hap will sign earlier because it's just going to be, a like you said, a two-year deal? Or is the market going to have to shake out and Hap is going to get the leftovers?
3: It's going to be very interesting. I think, well, I definitely think Hap is going to, uh, if he's offered something early, you know, I don't know what, he seems like a a guy that likes to have security and likes to know where he is. So if that, if I'm, if I'm spot on with his um, personality and the way that he does things that he may sign early just to be in a situation that he wants at this point in his life. Um, But you look at, look at last year and look at a guy like Alex Cobb, who was actually, you know, coming off of a, of a good year he didn't sign until very late. I mean, he signed in what March I think with the Mid-spring Orioles. Mid-spring
2: training. He had he had to he he didn't have a full spring training. So that was uh I guess some of the issues with him in the first half of the year was that He wasn't on schedule.
3: Yeah, and and, you know he was coming off of a twelve and ten start with three point six. Yeah, with the Rays, two thousand seventeen, and he was only thirty years old. Um, so career highs in wins and games started and innings pitched. Like that's that's what you want to see, right? You want to see a guy like that who's able to uh, to to hit those high points for a team that wasn't very good and still have um you know a a good season. So I think when you're looking at what Jay Happ's going to do in the offseason, you can kind of circle what what happened to uh, Alex Cobb. Uh and, and it could be a very similar situation. So, you know, at that point, Hat may say, Okay, if the if the Yankees are gonna be close to what I'm looking for, um, then maybe I, I, I like the situation. I know they have an opportunity to win. I, I could sign here. I could see him doing that.
2: Do you think the Yankees will be interested in signing him?
3: Uh yeah, I think they would. I I think that he's proven that he uh can come over here, pitch well, and the fact that he pitches well against the, the uh the AL East I think is a positive thing. So yeah, I think they'd be interested for sure.
2: Do you think they would entertain re bringing him and Sabathia back.
3: I, I have, I'm, I'm leaning more and more and more to say that CC is not going to be back next year. The way that the second half, um, his health, uh, if you were to come back on a one-year contract, it would be really, you know, it would be one of those where, where they're not relying on him. Um, but yeah, I could see them. Well, still I think that was the
2: case both. this year and he outpitched his expectations in the first half. Agreed. And then some other things happened where Sonny Gray didn't give them anything. So they had to rely on Sabathia. Yeah. I think if CC wants to pitch again, the Yankees are going to be interested in bringing him back.
3: I think so too, but uh, there's more doubt in my mind now than there than there was certainly uh, going into last offseason. I thought for sure that he might be able to uh, to pitch one well more, um, but who but, knows? Like he said, I, you know, if they win the World Series, you know.
2: But I bet if we uh, rewind a year ago to September, before everything happened in the playoffs, we were saying the same thing about Sabathia, and then he was had a big October, and everything was oh, we have to bring Sabathia back. So I, I think it's it's again, what is the last thing we just saw? There's just so many question marks with this
3: rotation right now, currently as it stands, and even going into next year with like you know Jordan Montgomery who has been an afterthought. Is is he going to be uh, healthy and ready to go? Is that someone you can even depend he on at He had surgery point? in early June. Yeah. Correct? So, uh,
2: it, uh, yeah, I think it was. Was it, late was it that late? Or,
3: I thought it was earlier than that even. Okay, yeah.
2: it was then it was May time frame. So that's a year. That means he's not back until the second half of the season. Okay. Because so, he's got to build up strength.
3: So then we're not going to. Well, yeah, uh, they've been coming back a little bit quicker from Tommy John too. So I, I don't know what the timeline is. But yes, yeah, so it'll be into the season, no doubt about it. Uh, d- how right. long into the season, I don't know. So they can't really rely on him. Um, so, you know, maybe that at that point you, you're bringing in CC back. And if you get the half year, uh, of, uh, of something for him and then somewhere to come back and you make a, an adjustment at the trade deadline, then it's worth it. But, um, I don't know. It just, it's, it seems like, uh, it seems like he's, he's to me fading off a little bit.
2: All right. That's going to do it for the mailbag questions. Again, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast to submit those and also call the voicemail line. It's six, four, six, four, eight, zero, zero, three, four, two. We will talk to you guys on Thursday.
1: Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep.
3: I must be out or I pick up the phone. Where could
1: I be? (laughs) Believe it or not, I'm not home. It's unbelievable that this team does not show any more passion than it does you have McCutcheon, a guy who's been on the team for less than a week in a bases loaded situation, showing more emotion than the guys who are striking out. I mean even Neil Walker, who you know has been terrible at points is showing emotion, and you've got to get fired up in these situations. And if that stupid drum doesn't fire you up, then nothing will. Okay, so bringing Robertson early ends up being a good call. You know what? How can you be optimistic when they're playing like such shit until Luke Voight comes in and crushes one off Fernando Arch shooting Rodney. Man, it felt good. Good win, boys. Fuck Greg Bird. Luke Voight's the shit. That's all. What a... By the Yankees. Great win against the Athletics. Great win. Cap, six innings, only gave up two hits, five K's, and our bullpen took no
0: care of business after that. Robinson struck out the side and then hitless throughout the innings. And then, oh my, if my. If, if anybody says they want Greg Bird over Boyd now, you are
1: stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Boyd
0: came up clutch, and even Hints Maria. In a home run, an insurance run, and that we needed and it was such a great win. Like I'm so pumped. I even set up late for this. It was so pumped. Glad we got the win. We gotta move on. Keep pushing.
1: So yanks. Gary, put your fat ass in front of the ball. I've seen Romine block better plays than that. Jesus Christ. Go back to screen. Game three, inning one.
0: Hey, These Yankees. This is the moment I am done with Gary Sanchez. I don't care if he can hit 40 home runs. He needs to sit. He needs to be pulled from the middle of the game. He needs to sit multiple days in a row until he's so fucking embarrassed he might actually decide he needs to try to have a job. Boone, step up. Fuck with this guy.
1: I just watched... The most depressing inning of baseball i have ever seen in my 27 years of life and it's all because of one gary sanchez i've been the president of the gary sanchez's Cancel fan club for a long time now they just showed him sitting in the dugout he needs to sit in the corner and think about what he did because this just sucks put toe in behind the plate put anyone in behind the plate I don't really care anymore. Put my left toe behind the place. Just anyone who can catch the fucking ball. Man, for the love of God, watching this team makes me run the throw sometimes. Like, I understand that, like, we have superstars, all this shit, but, like, at some given point, somebody has to, like, just go off on somebody, choke somebody in the dugout or something. Like, good God and Senshin's out here looking like a fucking little leaguer, missing all these damn balls. Seve looking like shit, can't hit the fucking ball for shit. I mean, good fucking god. Like, hopefully we we'll get this shit together, but god damn, this team makes me want to, like, pull my fucking hair out. I barely got hair to pull out. Shit.
0: You know, I was just listening to the podcast after the uh, Yankees got destroyed in Oakland. And it was funny because Scott did, uh, it was, uh, one of the most frustrating games he's ever watched or frustrating innings, that first inning when, the uh, Yankees gave up four. And I was thinking about going in, uh, not going in, staying, staying in and watching the game tonight or last night or going out with my friend and, uh, get some sake bombs at the, uh a little sushi restaurant um so I decided to go get some bombs and as I'm at the restaurant I'm getting updates on my phone it Does they pop up a, put a four spot in the first inning and then you gets. Well, it went up to eight I was losing my mind but you know I'll really go intoxicated so I was thinking it's better than sitting at home wanting to run myself through a window I just don't I don't get it anymore I just thought that was a funny story um I
1: don't know